came on and then um we were all talking a little bit before we got started here and everything was working well but we did hear a little bit of a hiss let's see if we can get him back in here <clears throat> Unbelievable. Well, you should be back with us here in a second. Uh, good evening there, Mary. How you doing, Mary? Big contributor for us all. Kimberly, Pottsville, Pennsylvania. Appreciate that, Jennifer, waiting. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. We'll get this worked out. Hi from Iowa, Deb. Welcome. Mark, from beautiful, I don't see what it says there, beautiful Australia, all right. Brian? All right, can you hear anything, Laird? I can, it's all gone now. Okay, good, oh, there we go, all right, fantastic. All I, right. I don't oh. think I've... I, I don't think I've done a podcast where we haven't had problems like this. Yeah, I know. Huh? That's something, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, welcome, Laird. We're we're welcome. We're certainly glad to have you here with us tonight. It's fantastic. I know that uh, we put the word out to all of our members, and everybody was pretty excited about uh, having somebody that uh, is a regular on the show be with us. And it's it's really, uh, I know that uh, from Linda, who's out there. Linda is out, one of our moderators. She's working hard. She's the hardest working person in this entire group. I can tell you that right now. Linda's out there working right, Linda with Simpson. <laughs> yeah, Linda, Linda Simpson yep, is our backbone Yeah, Thanks. but we're sure glad to have you on board. It's great to be here. Right. We also have a couple of fans, our great fans of yours, Laird. They are one's a five-year-old, one's an eight-year-old that are watching. It's Daryl and Dominic Barlett. Hey, Daryl and Dominic. How you doing? Fantastic. How old did you say they were, oh. uh, John? One, one, was, one was five years old. Wow. One was eight oh, years old. Fans of Oak Island and Laird Niven, huh? There you go. All right, that's fantastic. I love to hear that. Well, you are world renowned now, Laird, because uh, you know the show is seen all over the world, and we have we have a lot of members. We've got a couple with us. I think uh, we have people logging in here. We got Australia already on tonight, yep. uh, so we've got your world renowned. So, <laughs> so let's uh, let's jump right into this. I wanted to uh, um, talk a little bit. We had a lot of questions that came from our members. Uh, that submitted questions to us over the course of the weekend, basically, uh, when we put the word out that you were going to be on tonight. And some of the questions were, there was a lot of repetition in that. And we know as, of course, ladies and gentlemen, there's a lot of things that we cannot talk about simply because it is, you know, has to do with the filming that's going on this summer for season eight. So there are certain things we can talk about. And, uh, and uh, Laird, you know, so we had to, some of the questions we, we, we couldn't put out. We had to hold yeah. off on those. And we'll hopefully see that stuff come up in the uh, in the season here. But one thing I wanted to ask you, Laird, was about the time when you, I, and if I remember correctly, you were actually um, on the island prior to the filming happening. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that when you first came to the island? Yeah, so that was that was when the, uh, the Oak Island had the, had a special uh, um, act, right? So Nova Scotia is governed by the Special Places Protection Act. Mm -hmm. Oak Island was exempt from that. 
And then, so it was the Treasure Trove Act. Mm -hmm. And that switched over about 12 years ago. And so uh, Dan Blankenship and Fred Nolan at that time needed to get an archaeologist on the island. Mm -hmm. And basically, I was the only archaeologist that responded to Dan Blankenship. Oh, really? Wow. Really? Willing to go on the island because there's a there's a, a taboo to associate yourself with as an archaeologist with, with treasure hunting. Ah, see. Oh, okay. Right. So I was the one who who responded to Dan and said, "Yes, I'll do what we call an archaeological assessment uh, of the island," uh, which mm-hmm. I did. And then the next year, I got a message from Fred Nolan um, to do the same thing. Um, the really interesting part of that is Fred and Dan were in, in the midst, in the heat of their dispute. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. See, I was going to ask you about that too. What did yeah. you tell us so, a little bit about that? <laughs> well, so with Dan, I was able to drive over the causeway and, and, and mm-hmm. park and, and drive all over the islands. When I, when I had to meet Fred Nolan, I had to meet him. He still owned at the beginning of the islands. Um, that's where his museum was. So he owned that property. So I was able to meet him there, but then we had to walk across the causeway and then we had to walk along the shore until we got to center road because he wasn't allowed access to Dan's property. He had to walk along the low tide mark. Oh boy. Once we got to center road, then we could walk to, uh, to Fred's place. So, yeah. Wow. And that's something that we've talked about a little bit, you know, on the in the with the members is the the dispute uh, that went on between them. And there was a special show, actually. Uh, one of the shows was kind of dedicated talking about that very thing uh, and the and that. And, and it was kind of interesting that when uh, before uh, Dan uh, passed away, that he had said one of the things he wished he would have done was worked uh, better with uh, Fred Nolan. Um, because the two of them together, could you imagine what they could have done together if they would have been able to work together? But I guess, you know, when it comes to finding that treasure, uh, that keeps everybody at odds with, you know, keeps them at odds with each other. They don't want to give each other their secrets. They don't want to let, let the other guy have a little leverage. Um, that's really, that's really interesting to, to know that. Uh, I didn't, I didn't think either of them, either of them would die just to spite each other. Right. I thought they were going to fail. Right. Yep. No. Did uh, Fred Nolan show you any of his uh, artifacts? He didn't show me artifacts. No, we just uh, we went over his property, um, and he told me about uh, a, a cellar that used to be there that he okay bulldozed or filled. A cellar? What was that? A cellar that used to be there? Yeah, I'm I'm going to forget who it was, but there was a was it a uh, um. Uh, what's it called? Blacksmith shop, I think it was. It's possible. There was a barn as well, I think. Yeah. yeah. Wow, very interesting. But that whole dispute yeah. is all worked out, so we're all... Uh, yeah, and that's a really good thing that, uh, you know, now that Tom and Dave have been able to work together. Right. Um, and that's that's fantastic. And, and, and it took the Laginas to bring them together, it right? Did, yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's really something. And and the fact that they weren't able to uh, work together back then, that was that's really a shame. Uh just think about what they could have accomplished uh working together. Too too hard. Uh, but that's very too hard-headed. Go ahead. It's too hard-headed yeah. guys. Yep. 
I know surveyors. We know they those surveyors like John there. They don't like to give up their survey maps either and share that. <laughs> no, no, no way. When I saw Fred Nolan's map, that looked oh. like a. I don't need a treasure map. That Fred Nolan's map, Steve can tell you. We used to plot every every point, every pebble, every, every everything off the benchmark. And he must be doing the same as I see some of his uh, plots in the war room, how he's, you know, tying things together. And I just love all that stuff. Easy, I think it's fantastic. It's a little, little easier for him these days. He's a little more portable with his RT. Yeah, he's got the GPS. Yep. So when you uh, so you were back on the island before the filming started. So um, and you know some, that's something that we talked about. And and actually our guest that we just had on uh, just recently, Peter Amundsen, he had mentioned the same thing. He talked about the fact of how the island really needed to have an archaeologist, somebody on the island to preserve the historical um, landmarks and everything that had to do with it, and and to have somebody like. Uh, Dunfield come out there and just bulldoze things. Well, Dunfield felt like he was going to find the treasure, so he didn't care about preserving yeah. anything. Which right. is crying shame. And so we're, you know, you know, that was just you were needed right off the bat. So tell me a little bit about when, you know, when Marty and Rick uh, came on board and you got to, to work with them. When was the first time you actually met them? Well, that would have been... Um... I was actually called out to look at the, a place they suspected to be the hatch. Ah, um, okay. That was the first time I went on the island. Mm -hmm. And I went in my shorts and sneakers um, because I didn't realize that that was the first time I realized that they film everything on the island, no matter how yep. trivial you think it is. I thought I was going out for a meeting and I ended up on camera um, being bitten by mosquitoes and going down in a hole wearing Rick Lagina's boots because I had. I saw that on the film. I just watched. I seen the boots you were trudging along. Like size 14. <laughs> so that was my introduction to the Curse of Oak Island. Yeah, that's why I posted that video, uh, Laird. I posted that video before you came on because. Uh, I saw those boots, but I wasn't saying anything because I don't know. You know what I mean? No, they weren't mine. <laughs> <laughs> but the That's the, funny. the real introduction was um, because the previous year, Gary had found a lot of um, significant items uh, from Lot 24. Yep. And the museum took note of that. The Nova Scotia Museum took note of that and required them to have an archaeologist present when Gary was metal detected. So right. that, that was my introduction to the island. Right. And um, so that, and that's, and that's fantastic too, because, uh, and, and they, you know, and I think it was around season five, uh, there was actually a, an episode there where it showed, well, it was the one that you came on as a matter of fact, that they got notification saying that they were going to get shut down. So they were really worried about that. And then from the, from the look of everybody's faces, they're like, what are we going to do now? Well, that and was, I guess they had to go ahead. That was season four. I think that was, Oh, was it? Okay. All right. My introduction. So my introduction was, there's no preliminary. There's just walking right into the scene with Rick and Marty and Gary. Right. Um, and not knowing at the time that Gary was, was really unhappy um, hmm. that there was an archeologist because he'd, uh, he hadn't had good 
good uh, communication with archaeologists in the past. Oh, okay. And had a good rapport with archaeologists in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically, I walked right into the scene and off we went to Lot 24 as uh, as Gary Metal detected and Marty uh, was using the backhoe to, to, mm-hmm. to yep. move trees. Um, and uh, so I basically left Gary, you know, I just observed Gary, what he dug up, uh, made note of where he dug things up, uh, things like that. And in, in, in the midst of all that, Gary stopped and he looked at me and said, you're the coolest archaeologist I've ever met. <laughs> That's fantastic. And then soon after that, uh, Marty, we encountered a bunch of rocks that weren't, didn't seem to be natural. Right. And, and that's on TV land. That's when I shut everything down. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to bring that up because they were pulling those stumps out. And I think yeah. that, uh, and then it didn't, uh, Gary actually find like a, uh, part of a spoon or something like yeah, that. I think exactly. Yeah. 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 I got that uh, clip if you want to see it. Sure. Yeah, sure. Yep. yeah. We can play that real quick. Sure. All right. Here we go. They're only a couple of minutes, two minutes or something. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Yep. And that was just before that, uh, just before they started, you know, really ripping them up and you found those rocks. Can you elaborate a little bit on those rocks? Did that turn out to be anything significant or I don't think we heard much more about it. It actually didn't. We, I excavated around them. I excavated, mm-hmm. we found like, there's a very thin deposit mm-hmm. for the whole area. A very, uh, it's probably I think 10 inches down. Uh, a kind of a gravel area where we were finding all the artifacts. Um, but we didn't find any big deposits. So there's some activity in that area. Um, there was a, there is a, a cellar that Dan Blankenship filled in on his pro- So that was next wow. to Dan Blankenship's property. Yeah. Looked like it right by the house yeah. there. So there was, there is a cellar that Dan filled in on his property that we haven't had access to. So it may relate to that. Oh, wow. Interesting. Wow. Hmm. Yeah, Very wow. good. Yeah. But I got a lot, of, uh, a lot of negative feedback after that episode. Really? Why? Why is that? Well, because the, the perception was that I was shutting down the islands. Oh, 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 oh. Um, And it wasn't. It was just shutting down the backhoe for that specific area while I could. Right. Right. And check. it's exactly what I would expect that that's why you're there. I mean, you know, for, from my point of view, that's exactly why you'd be on the island is to to say, OK, hold on. Before we get tearing stuff up too much, let's take a closer look at this. Make sure yeah. everything is well documented. Right. I mean, that's what you're there for. Yeah. And now and now when Gary goes out and metal detects, if he sees anything significant, anything more than he thinks he should see, they stop and they call me in. So it's all worked out perfectly. Yeah, that's really neat. And is and is it true that they you know they really don't because this is a reality show and we know there's quite a few of them out there that are pretty well scripted. Uh, it doesn't seem like this one is scripted. It looks like you know maybe when they say oh let's find something up oh, let's get so and so on the phone and, and yeah. they're actually catching the reaction, the real reaction to it. Is that true? No, absolutely. Yeah, no. It's when when you when I show up to look at something I haven't seen it before. See, that's sure. fantastic. Yep. That's what I, that's the kind of thing I like to hear because, you know, it's, <laughs> there's Scott, <laughs> uh, because, you know, that's, you know, and again, so many of the reality shows are, are scripted and we just, 
you, you kind of get a feel for that, but it just seems like everything's right happening as you see it happening. Now that's not to say that, you know, they, you might get a big hit and you say, well, okay. You know, but I, you know, like you said, the cameras are there all the time, right? They're following everybody around. Yeah. For the most part, I'm uh, I have to plug my computer in. Okay. okay no problem. Sorry about that. I'll be right not back. A, <laughs> okay. Not a problem. Wow. That's really interesting. That's uh <laughs> Scott showed up here. Um, yeah, and and that is very true. I think the simple fact that they have to be very uh, very careful about that. And as I mentioned, you know, Dunfield going out there and and tearing things up um, and just ruining all that landscape. I mean, they lost the what was it the rock the triangle that was supposed to be down on the beach area. Yeah. They lost that. That was obliterated. They didn't know what. And the simple fact that they don't know where the money pit is. Uh, anymore was I think a lot due to uh, Dunfield if I remember correctly yeah he's uh, he's caused a lot of heartbreak yeah and again it's because he thought he was going to find everything so he didn't really care but still that's why it's very important that you are there uh, and that uh, you can make sure that everything is preserved and well documented and the fact now that they got uh, um, you know uh, Stephen out there with the GPS and everything that's uh, yeah. um, even even more so even the, better Dr. Ian Spooner. I mean, they're 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 uh, trying to counteract what Dunfield did as best they can. And mm -hmm. I think yeah. that's Go ahead, John. Well, since uh, Scott Barlow's in the in the house here, uh, Scott uh, Leonard, I got a question for you. This is a little off topic. When you guys are in the makeup chair before you guys come on TV, who takes up more makeup? Well, Scott or you? Or who? Well, there's only one makeup chair, and it's uh, it's Steve Guppel that's in it. <laughs> <laughs> Scott knows that. He... <laughs> that's funny. Steve, yeah. Steve has the swoop. He's got the hair swoop. We he's got the swoop. Hair, but he's got the swoop going. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> so we have to when we get when we get him on, we're gonna have to talk to him about that. See what oh. he has to say about that. He'll he'll fully acknowledge it. He's got no okay, problem. Okay, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, see there's Scott. He said, "Yep, Laird's right. Laird's <laughs> right. right. Yep, that's hilarious." So uh, something else I wanted to ask you about is that uh, you know when you guys were in the war room, there's an episode when they uh, when they found that that the piece of bone, and right. they they come walking in or they're sitting or you're all sitting around the table in the war room there, and they and they hand you that piece of bone. Now everybody else thought that was a piece of wood. Right. But they handed it over to you, and right off the bat, I mean, you said, well, to me, that looks like bone. I mean, what was your impression of that? Well, that was back in the day when they only ever called me in to show me things. So the crew was never allowed to tell me what it was. Oh, it's wow. always top secret. Um, so, yes, they, they, they passed me that piece. Um, they thought it was a piece of uh, what they called lignum vitae, so a very – very very dense uh, wood used in the eyes of pulleys. Oh, okay, all right. And that's what they suspected it was. Um, and I looked at it, and you could see in the interior that there was there were aspects of it that really really seemed like bone. It was heavy. It was very dense, mm -hmm. like denser than wood than bone should be. Right. But every other aspect really looked like bone. So yeah, I said. I said, I think it's bone. You should show it to an expert. I would be glad to have her prove me wrong. But 
Mm -hmm. I think it was bone. And you see the look on everybody's face when you mention it. They're like bone. They're all leaning forward, like, "Oh my goodness, is that is yeah. that possible that it's bone?" Now, what was your you know knowing that? And I think that was John. Correct me. I mean, well, how many feet down was that piece? Was one seventy? One one seventy. I thought I heard. Yeah, something like one seventy feet down. What what do you what's your impression on that? Pick, you know, they they found a couple different pieces of bone from two different people apparently. Yeah. And and you know, one hundred and seventy feet underground. What's your what's your thoughts on that? So as an archaeologist, we always talk about context. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we're never sure exactly where that bone may have started its life. You know what I mean? Where it may have been before it made its way down. Um, so I, 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 I don't know what to make of it. I, I would have thought if it's bone, it would have started at most six feet above the ground. Right, the exactly. You know, like a grave or something. Yeah. Yeah, right eat that deep that's that's miraculous yeah yeah it's it's kind of mind-boggling to me how these things get down there. right but um i know you're not at the money pit laird but uh i had another question about when marty put the toonie down uh, a six inch plastic mm -hmm. pvc pipe in h8 right and then when they found it 10 feet away i was telling my members to move that coin that amount of distance, it's either the pressure from the 50-ton grabber going in and out of the tube to cause pressure and suction to move that. Because I don't think there's a river down there. What do you think? Well, that, that seems like a Terry question for me. Um, oh, okay. Um, yeah, no, to be very, very honest, I try to stay away from the money pit as much as I can. Um but I think there is some, I mean, if you think about all the work that's been done there, um, there, there has to be, there has to be uh, of, of gaps. And, and I guess yep. Scott can probably answer that for you more than I can. Right. Because yeah. he's more vested in the money pit than I am. But uh, it was, it was a very, very odd thing for them to find again. Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that's the only thing that we were thinking about is being able to move was that hammer grab because that, that, you know, every time they look at, uh, we look at some kind of footage from down there, there's no water. It doesn't look like the water is streaming by or moving. So yeah. how would something like that move? And the only thing we could figure is that John came up with the idea that it was probably that hammer grab going down. And if there was a cavity down there and that coin yeah. was laying in that cavity and that hammer grabs pushing that water around, that had to be how it moved. I mean, I, I can't see any other way, quite honestly. I'm, um, yeah. I'm not a big. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the hammer grab. I really? understand. Oh, but yeah, I hear you. Because in terms of yeah. yeah, I can imagine because like it, like, and we've talked about even the drilling idea when they're drilling down in the ground like that. If they do hit, let's say, Chapel Vault or something like that, and they drill right into it, and they drill into somewhere that's holding, you know, they pot up the pieces of parchment. If they drill down there, and they now they've just opened that up to water. If it was inside of some kind of a sealed case or something, what can they damage with that big old hammer grab going down there? Yeah, um, I mean, the drilling. I like the drilling in terms of. I know Steve Guppel's thrilled with the data they get from the drilling, um, mm -hmm. and it's 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 just so it's a minimal impact, right? Compared to the hammer grab, for sure. Right. Yep. When I want to go back to a little bit to the beginning of when you came on to the show, 
uh, for the for the first times. And then maybe when somebody what was your whole impression of I mean, living in the area um, and I, I am assuming that you probably knew something about Oak Island. And the fact that there's been people on the island digging for 200 years and looking for treasure. What was your impression of that? Did you did you think ah, treasure? There's no treasure on that. Island. I mean, what, what were your thoughts about Oak Island to begin with just living in the area? So my my earliest knowledge of the the hunt is probably dates no definitely dates to just to Dan's search, um, you know the 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 uh, the purported hand scene in the in the video and, and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, and after that, it wasn't a huge part of my life. Um, so when I came onto the island, I came on not as a treasure hunter, mm-hmm. but as a person to, to, to monitor Gary Drayton, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so as an archaeologist, I'm, in terms of the whole treasure hunt story, I'm obviously um, skeptical. I was obviously skeptical at the very, very start. Um, season five in Smith's Cove with the U-shaped structure and the L-shaped structure and the slipway um, kind of flip everything around a little bit. How so? Uh, well, it was the dating. I, I assumed the U-shaped structure and the slipway were a searcher. Hmm. Uh, dendrochronology kind of kind of changed that quite a bit. The mm-hmm. doll. Dan have previous dates on these structures before they reopened it, Lord. He took a he, he took samples or no. Mm-hmm. John Wanacott, I believe, Scott can correct me. Um, took samples in the 80s, 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think we saw any results from the dendrochronology. Okay. Um, so I believe the we are the first to test the U-shaped structure and the slipway. Okay. Were you surprised at all of the lack of artifacts in that whole big coffer dam area? And then the kick out, I was very surprised we found hardly anything in my book. Yeah. And, 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 and Gary and I mentioned that constantly, how, how, how clean it was. Yeah. It, it was such a, and that was a big project. Both the oh, slipway absolutely. and the structure yep. took a lot of effort. And the U-shaped structure would have been built somewhere else and then reassembled on, on the spot. Mm-hmm. And we didn't find clay pipe stems or pottery or much at all. So that, that shocked both of us. Did uh, Dan find any artifacts underneath the crossway? The crossway the, um slipway i think i read somewhere he found some pottery and things underneath the slipway i'm gonna have to look that up but it sort of rings a bell he found a couple of things none of which that's the problem with oak island we have photographs but not the actual artifacts right yeah um i think the pottery he found was kind of dating the same as some of the, a little bit of the pottery we found from smith's co which is 1820s to 40s mm-hmm. thing so more more searcher era mm-hmm. yep the really the really interesting story about dan is you know we did the original they did the original coffer dam and uh 
and the next year they did that 50 foot bump out so apparently when they they when dan came down and they showed him the original coffer dam he said you should have put it 50 feet out further <laughs> so and he was absolutely right <laughs> Yeah, and they because they found that box. There was like the the box that uh, Jack Bagley he was digging around there, and part of that box collapsed. Well, what do you think that was? I mean, that they never. I mean, we talked about it a little bit, and then they ended up covering it all back up. What was? What do you think there that was? was a, all? There was kind of a double shaft we found in the bump out. Ah. Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was that? Do you, what did it, what did that end up I'm, being? Do you know? I'm assuming that was. That was definitely late searcher. Okay. I kind of went in for the start of that and then got pulled out for mm. to go to the ball foundation. So Okay. But it was it was not it was it was covered in tar paper. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I do remember that. So that that dated it right there as being yep. more yeah, more modern, right? But that's right. Why it was there, we don't know. There are no records as to who put it there or why it was there. What what were they searching for? The flood tunnels. Right. Yep. Because I think that one piece of wood they cut off uh, and did a test on that one piece of wood. What was the date on that? It was a sixteen. What, what was that, John? Do you remember that? On the on the, in Smith's Cove. Yeah, when they. I cut think it was seventeen forty. That's the slipway. Yeah, off the slipway. Yep. Yeah, right. Yeah. 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 That was so. That was definitely. Uh, before they actually discovered the uh, the money pit to begin with right, right. Mm. And what do you think laird i know i go back to the money pit i don't know why roman i get a lot of pms on the roman numerals on the wood and smith's cove yeah and the normal normal roman numerals that they found supposedly roman numerals in the money pit do you see any correlation with those two or they're not no roman numerals or what do you see on that well so the Roman numerals, and it was used in building houses as well. Right. So when you're when you're notching timber frame structures, um, because they're custom notches, um, you have the notch has a a, a Roman numeral, mm-hmm. and and I guess has a Roman numeral, so you know which way what goes where. Mm-hmm. So be able to reassemble it. Use, yeah, the U-shaped structure was was assembled somewhere else mm-hmm. possibly on the island roman numerals were put in so they knew where to put what mm-hmm. and was reassembled on in smith's cove i mean it was done i know I, I grew up in shelburne nova scotia um in in the 1780s they came after the war they came uh, and brought houses from from boston and okay those had Roman numerals on them so they could reassemble them. Oh, wow. Right. And uh, my own personal opinion that I don't think the Roman numerals that they're having them three dashes that came out of the money pit were Roman numerals, but that's my own personal opinion. Right. And I, I'm not familiar with the Roman numerals from from uh, the money pit. Okay. I do know that, uh, that, that Terry changed the uh, roman numeral three he changed it with his shovel to a four so <laughs> <laughs> those are things you have to watch out for as well <laughs> yeah. uh, hey i'm marty all the way here i mean <laughs> you have no problem with me i'm marty jeff is rick i mean yep. 
Yep, get me in there, absolutely. <laughs> I so, love it, Laird. I love it. So tell us, Laird, a little bit about uh, you know we, we've kind of covered the money pit or the 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 um, uh, Smith's Cove a little bit. Now I know that you know maybe not recently, um, but you're you know you've been you know an archaeologist. You I, I assume quite a few years. Is there other work you've been doing in the past that? Uh, um, what do you think? Some of the other stuff you've been doing around the area. Well, yeah, I've been an archaeologist for 36 years. Wow. Um, Well, right now, I mean, Oak Island is kind of what I've been doing for the last four years. Um, But uh, in the past, I've worked all over the province. Um, I think the most exciting work I've done is in a place called DeBert, Nova Scotia. So that's the the oldest site in Nova Scotia. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. That's about uh, 13,000 years ago. Oh, my my God. Wow. And what's yeah. what's what is uh what do you find in there? Uh, well, uh, we find uh, it's it's kind of a, a scattered site because of glaciation. But I mean, I found a you know a thirteen thousand year old spear point. They would have been oh, wow caribou at the time. Yeah, lots of lots of uh, uh, hide scrapers and things like that back then. Mm-hmm. But my my what I really have concentrated on was. Uh, Black loyalist archaeology, so those would be freed slaves. So Samuel Ball, for example, was a black loyalist, a freed slave who, uh, mm-hmm. who uh, made his way into out of uh, servitude and uh, into the British Army, and then eventually made his way to Nova Scotia. So um, where I grew up was one of the largest, and uh, near one of the largest black loyalist uh, uh, settlements in in the world, actually. Um, so I've done a lot of archaeology in there. Now I know that uh, you know, you know, and assuming that that um, you know everybody, and that was many of the questions that people had uh, that were they were given us was to talk about what's going on at, at on the Ball property, and we said, well, that's pretty much off topic. But as far as Samuel Ball himself, mm-hmm. what what um, you said, you know, it, going by what you were just talking about. Um, you know, and I've done a little bit of research trying to figure out where he came from yeah. uh, as a slave. And there was really not a whole lot of, you know, figuring, trying to figure out how he was, um, how he became, a free, you know, free, how he got away from being a slave on the, you know, on the plantation, but uh, made his way. We know it. What do you know about his background that have you been able to look into any of that? Um, well, Chip Reed, who appeared on the show last mm-hmm. year. Um, has done some work on Samuel Ball. Um, he was born in uh, born in South Carolina, mm-hmm. um, and uh, he was born in 1742, I believe. Um, and the details of how he escaped and a lot of what happened afterwards are are, are pretty vague. We know he, he, mm-hmm. he made his way into the British Army. That was part of right. mm-hmm. part of the way he could be free was to, to volunteer for the British Army. Right. Um, right. Yep. And uh, we're not sure if he fought or if he was if he was just uh, more of a tree clearer or an engineering kind of person uh, with the British Army. Um, he appeared to come to Nova Scotia uh, in this 
1784, I think, um, perhaps in Digby. That's all, all very, very um, vague. Um, mm-hmm, yeah. And he was in Shelburne for two years by his own, you know, according to him, before he made his way to Chester and then from Chester to, to Oak Island. Right. And, and, and then right. from there, he, he bought a number of properties after and- that. Yeah, exactly. All of a sudden, as a cabbage, I guess a cabbage farmer, he becomes pretty wealthy. So, yeah. and, <laughs> so and that's there's a part, lot of speculation about that. That's part of our future, uh, our, our future uh, research is is to see, because people tell me he was a cabbage par- farmer, and people tell me he was a blacksmith, but they don't mm-hmm. give me any reference to how they know that. Right. 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 So that's part of. It's the archaeology where you have to sit down and say, okay, you can say that, but how do you... Right. Where's the facts? Yeah, exactly. Show me the proof, Jeff. Show yeah, me the show proof. Me the facts. Yeah, some of the research I was looking at finding on that was the some of the tax records. Uh, and then there was one, I think they called him the the mayor or the governor or the mayor of Oak Island or something. I forget the, the term yeah. there. It was... Yeah. That's uh, but that's it, you know. And again, there, you know, and a lot of the members, you know, talk about that. We we know that, you know, well, we, we say we know, we speculate, um, mm-hmm. because it seemed like he was about the uh, he, if 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 my dates are correct from what I found, he was on the island when um, when they when the guy when the boys came over, well, they say they're boys or they were actually men by that yeah. time. Uh, when they came over to the island, but dated by their age, they had to be men at that point when they came over and they started digging uh, in the money pit area. And I, from what I was looking at, it looked like the dates were reading that, that Samuel Ball was already on the island at that time. Well, so the first, I think, I believe the first reference to uh, the finding of the money pit was Desbrizé's uh, History of Lunenburg County. And mm-hmm. Samuel Ball is actually listed as one of the people finding the money pit. and ah. then he's dropped from right subsequent right. reference yeah right and then and a he, third name he, was added i think smith there wasn't it yeah 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 which is odd you know i we deal in facts but that's weird that's really strange yeah it is very strange so yeah and and, and then again with him being uh somewhat uh uh, wealthy, you know, being able to buy other, he bought other lots on the island and he bought land on the mainland as well. So yeah, there was, <laughs> I, I'm going to be curious to see if they're, if they are doing any more research, you know, on Samuel Ball, are they going to be, you know, hopefully that'll be coming up in, in uh, future episodes. Yeah. Well, you um, can, you can actually stand on Samuel Ball's property and look at the stone wall on lot that between lot 24 and lot 25. And then the other stone wall between 25 and 26 and see all the land that was cleared and realize that he was an extremely hardworking person. So you don't want to, I don't want to take anything away from him, but he worked ridiculously hard to clear the land he, he had and to, to, to make what he ended up with when he died. Yeah, very true. Yeah. So do obviously you, he was doing that something with that land. Yep. Go ahead. Jeff. Do, do you know if Ball was a Freemason, Lord? Uh, not as far as I know. 
That's a Charles question. Okay. Yeah, no, not, I don't, I haven't seen that reference anywhere. So let me ask you this too: Is uh, you know just sitting back and thinking about the the whole uh, the situation? Now you've been on the island for uh, three or four years now, and you've watched things going on. Yeah. And I know they keep you you know following Gary or doing you know seeing you know different projects and staying away from the money pit apparently. <laughs> but what 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 kind of ideas do you have about you know a theory of what's going on? We've heard you know so many. We've had several on the show. We've had Gretchen on the show and and. Uh, uh, we've and uh, uh, Jeffrey Irving and stuff, and you know, talking about the you know, and Peter talking about the Shakespearean influence, um, and the Templars and all that. What 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 does Laird Niven think? What do you think about what's happened on the island over the years? Well, see the the beauty of archaeology and what separates us from theorists is that we need to actually see it in the grounds, right? Mm-hmm. But that being said, from last year. Um, what was coming out of Smith's Cove, what was coming out of the swamp is, to me, there was something happening at the end of the 17th, so the end of the 1600s into the 1700s on the island. Um, but for an archaeologist, we haven't found that, that, you know, what was left behind, you know, who was it, what garbage, they had to leave something behind. Mm-hmm. And we haven't oh, quite absolutely. seen that. But, to me, I think something was happening in the 1600s, 1700s. So, well before, well before 1795. Right. So, any ideas of what you think might have been? You know, there was, and I've heard people talk about there was pirates in the area because they, I guess some pirates would have traveled up the coast, and there was talk about pirates that had been there. What I mean, what do you? any speculation on you know you say yep there was something happening just to, do you have any theories that you what what might have been going on that you're willing actually, to share i actually don't um okay. because I mean, you're looking for that tangible evidence well there's that and we focus on the island so if you go out with scott barlow and his boat and take a tour around mahone bay and area and chester you realize that there are so many more islands that look exactly like Oak Island. Yep. Um, so, if you see that, you have no idea why they why they focus on Oak Island. Right. Mm-hmm. But that being said, if you went out and did archaeology on each of those other islands, I don't think you're finding what we're finding on Oak Island. Correct. Yep. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. And there is so much there. I mean, and again, you know, John and I have talked about it before, you know, talking about the uh, even even up there in the uplands when they dug down in the to the uh, in the to the, made that big hole there and they found some wood structure down there. It's very obvious that something was going on there. And like you said, you know, maybe not on these other islands, but definitely something was going on uh, yeah. on on Oak Island and why so deep, what were they doing down there? And as John has said before, if you're going to make something that you're going to go back and, you know, uh, if you're going to bury some treasure or some kind of artifacts or something that you're going to go back and retrieve later, are you going to go through all the trouble to put it so deep in the ground? Yeah. Um, you know, and so, and if that's the case with, with that, what were, what, and, and like Rick says, who, what, why, when, where, what, what was going on? 
with all these people doing something so deep underground. Yeah. I mean, my biggest problem with pirate treasure is they're going to bury something temporarily. Mm-hmm. Right. right. They, they, they didn't see themselves as living very long because of, of their lifestyle. So you hide something, you come back quickly, you dig up quickly and leave. Right. Um, yeah. You're not going to put it 200 feet underground. Yeah, exactly. And it's pretty obvious something was happening down there. I mean, yep. they found that there's some sort of, you know, chambers down there. And even, you know, we've, we talked just about it uh, a little bit about it last week about the fact that, that uh, Dan uh, Blankenship had, um, you know, figured out that there was some sort of a cavity underground um, that much further away from the actual money pit area. And, and so he dug down there and sure enough, he found some sort of cavity, whether or not that led to anything, we don't know but certainly found some sort of cavity down there and did that tie in we don't know yet it doesn't seem like it because they couldn't find any tunnels or anything leading off from it but again why were those down there what in the world is going on with all these you know this the the wood down there and even the wood that john had just talked about a few moments ago that had the the uh the numbering on the corners of that they that they brought up out of the money pit that obviously you know tied number three goes with number three and four goes with number four as you put it down there what in the world was all that stuff doing down there so deep um yeah and you know as rick is very adamant about trying to figure that out and i and i think that do you feel like the 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 history is actually the treasure the history of what really took place like rick believes oh i absolutely Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I think that's his approach, and that's absolutely correct. It's just, and that's what archaeology does. Like, you know, I was thinking the other day, some I think someone asked me about treasure hunting, and I said, I'm not a treasure hunting doesn't matter to me. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's doing our process. You know, if we find a treasure, that's just part of our process, but that's not right. that's not what drives us, right? Um, so yes, and. If you go to the Sammy Ball property, yeah, you realize that there's much more to the whole story than 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 just treasure or potential yep. treasure. Right. Well, I tell you what, you know, talking with all the members and having, uh, you know, our interaction that we do with John and I, we do and do the show every week, and we get to interact with everybody. There's about sixty-five thousand people that would love to get on that island and help you dig it up. <laughs> believe me. I know I would be one of them. And we've talked about, you know, and and we know that there's, you know, they can only have one person. I think it, I think we heard there was only one person allowed to be using a metal detector on the island at a time and that kind of thing. But boy, I tell you what, that to me, and I, and I know John agrees with me too. And, and Linda, you know, we've talked about this and many of the members that, you know, we kind of feel like whether or not there's really treasure there uh, at this time, maybe, maybe not. I want answers like Rick. I want answers as to what took place there and who were the ones, maybe multiple people, maybe the Templars were there. Maybe there were some, some, uh, uh, um, some different uh, uh, pirates that were doing things on the island. Over the course of these years, there might have been several different groups of people doing things on the island. Those are the answers that I want. I yeah. want to know that right there. Whether or not there's treasure, if there is, fantastic. But if there isn't, what was going on there? Now it's become this this quest for knowledge at this point. Yeah, for sure. And and one of the one of the downsides of this being a TV show 
so it's a it's a double edged sword. So because it's a TV show and it's popular, we have tens of thousands of people who are willing to dedicate however much time it takes to research whatever you present them. Mm-hmm. But because it's a TV show, we can't show them things, right? That they'd be willing at the time. I'd love to to to, to find an artifact and go. I don't know what this is. Put it out there, and there are people who would spend hours and hours and hours researching it and coming up, you know, with an answer. Right. Uh, unfortunately, we can't do that because of the TV show. Right. Yeah, and that's quite a drawback too. Yeah. <laughs> Yep. Interesting. Because I know that, uh, you know, we, um, and that's a, the great thing about our membership is we have so many people that, that, uh, are knowledgeable in different areas and they contribute to what we talk about here, um, which is fantastic. We have that, we have the best group, I think on all of Facebook when it comes to that kind of thing. So, so many people have so much information out there and they just contribute and it's fantastic. But, but again, yeah, going back to what you were just saying is that, um, because of the TV show, and we know that there's hundreds and hundreds of hours worth of footage that we never see that doesn't get used. Yep. Um, so many yeah. things that you guys have probably found. Uh, and I was going to ask you that was one of the questions I was going to ask you was that are there things that were found on the island that uh, by Gary or by you yeah. or anyone else that was digging that? you know, really adds to the story, but yet we didn't know about it because they didn't feel that it was significant enough to put on the show. Was there anything out there like that? I don't think there's a, there were things they started off with that just weren't followed up. Mm-hmm. I don't think they held back. They would never help hold back anything. Significant. Right? No. no. Mm-hmm. Okay. We know that and it was something that John and I also mentioned was that uh, I think it was right at the end of uh, season seven um, when they were uh, they were going through the stuff that was coming on the conveyor belt there. And uh, I forget who it was, John, you might remember, picked up a, what we thought was another piece of bone that they found in the money pit. Uh, was that? It was Paul Troutman oh. picked up a big bone on the conveyor belt. Yeah, and he said, oh, it looks like a piece of bone. And we're like, oh, okay, what? Oh, another piece of bone. And then, boop, that was it. We never heard another thing. <laughs> Wait a minute. I want to know what that was. Yeah, and see, those kind of, that, that, those artifacts kind of get streamed off to somewhere else mm-hmm. where I don't see them necessarily. So. Yeah, must not have been all that interesting. So, because they, they didn't talk about it. And I think you're right that if it's something that's significant to what they're doing and what they're trying to find out, then that would be. Uh, that would be something that they would talk about. It wouldn't go to the wayside, maybe. I'm and hoping. if it was a, if it was a big piece of bone, I would have seen it. So it probably uh, okay. wasn't. Yeah. You want to see a picture, or? Uh Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there it is. He said, well, it's huge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they pulled that up. It was right toward the end of season seven, and they uh, they found that piece of bone, and we were all like, okay, oh, a piece of bone. Must Maybe it was part of somebody's lunch or something. I don't know. Who knows? But they found it on that that uh, on that on that trommel. What would you call it, John? Well, the trommel, the, like the gold machine. How yeah, the, the, uh, yeah sift out everything right down to the yeah. like when they sift out gold they put their 
spoils on there and cut it down. I really, when I see, Laird, when I see Jack yeah. on the wash table, yeah. with like 10,000 pounds per square inch hose, yeah. hitting on them spoils, I'm going, oh. I cringe. I don't, that's me. I'm Marty. I'm going, I, I cringe when I see the amount of pressure that's on the spoils when any little tiny thing could mean a lot. What do you think? He's backed off on that. <laughs> I, wasn't pre- I wasn't present for that whole thing, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, there's, there's, there's less pressure there. <laughs> Holy, I mean, if you, if you, if you got a machine that siphons out everything, the trammel, yeah. I mean, put everything through the trammel machine and then, you know, like they find fine gold. Well, I'm pretty sure you can find a tooth or a piece of pottery that would come out in the fine end yeah. of the research. I mean, that's my own that's my own mind thinking. I don't know. Jeff knows me. Yeah, the purpose yeah, yeah. of the screen and the water is not to blast it through the screens. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like a little piece of parchment. You know, they show that little piece of parchment that they found years ago, yeah. and it was just a little wad of paper, and they're opening it up to see what, you know. I would have missed that probably if he yeah. was blasting it with that hose. I'm like, wait a minute. Hey, you're going to blow that right through there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was kind of a one-off. They didn't... <laughs> That's no longer being done. Yeah, because when I saw you, Laird, when uh, Steve was there helping Jack on the table, right. and they found a little hinge, or I don't know, I'm trying to remember. You found a little hinge or a little uh, something hinge, and that's what you said. And I'm going, how the heck did that even stay on the table with that amount of pressure? Mm-hmm. So that's, I just, you know, those things come to me. I don't know why, but uh, thanks for answering it. Yeah. If it's any consolation, it's changed. <laughs> there's a, there's several of the members that are just talking because we, we were discussing about all the, uh, all the hours and hours and hours of footage in there. Uh, they, they were talking there. It would be funny to sometime have a blooper reel, get some bloopers out there of some of the things that, uh, on the island that were funny. Do you have any funny stories of anything that was hap- that's happened on the island? Oh God. Putting I, you on the spot now. <laughs> season nine could be a blooper reel. <laughs> so there's quite a few in other words. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think of anything. I know uh, when you first start, um, you, uh, so you have, the cast and you have the cameras around you, like usually three cameras around you and you have the producers just behind you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when you first start and the producers say, you know, can you address this and this and this? And, and what the newbies like me do is look at the camera and talk to the camera. Ah, yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's the, the first obvious error that I would <laughs> talk to the camera yeah. because that's right. where the question is coming from. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's like what we're doing now. You got to talk to the camera. You look out at the members. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That would be something. Yeah. Bring that up with them sometime. We'd love to see, uh, we'd love to see a blooper, uh, a show of bloopers, you know, of, uh, you know, I don't know, Rick, like I mentioned, Rick tripping and falling in the swamp. You know, we seen that one where he, he, uh, he, he, they had the uh, excavator and the bucket came up and he had that water bottle in his hand. And he yeah. took a little bit of the water out of there, and that, oh, and he, and it, we're like, oh, and he did. He took a, he took a, put it in his mouth, and yeah, <laughs> everybody cringed immediately because. Well, it's it's probably better than Dr. Pepper, but. Uh, 
<laughs> oh, God. <laughs> well, I tell you what, uh, we've gone uh, gone about an hour, and it's been fantastic. We loved having you on, but I have one, one last question. Uh, and this was sure. put out by several of the, several of the members. And I thought, well, that's kind of a funny thing to ask. And I thought, well, okay, if we got time at the end, maybe I'll ask him. But there was actually, believe it or not, there was several people that asked this question. They they said, what's with this hat that he wears? You always wear the same hat on, or it appears that you're always wearing the same hat on the show. And somebody said, it said something about uh, Newcastle United or something. What's, what's with the hat? So it was the hat belonged to my father-in-law. Who had done oh, wow. before I started on 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 the show, and he was born in Newcastle, England, and was a supporter of Newcastle United. So it's the Newcastle United uh, Soccer Club hat. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So he came over. He was evacuated when he was twelve during the war, and oh, wow. moved to the, the Indianapolis Valley. And anyway, that's so I, I kind of married into the whole Newcastle United. Thing, but I have a really strong. I'll never have to buy a beer in Newcastle, England, ever again. I think. That means I got to hang around with you, then. I mean, yeah, exactly. So this, this, this is the second generation. I think I have about half a dozen hats that have been sent to me, and so his 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 original hat was my season four hat, and that's been retired, and so I'm on. To, oh, has it? Okay, yeah, all right. Yeah, so I'm on yeah. to another. Okay, I got I got a question for you. Then we can button it up if you want, Laird. No, oh, there's no hurry. Oh, okay. Um, a good member of ours, uh, Jack Campbell. You know, he always calls in. He's always mm-hmm. helping us out with the live show. You know, people want their privacy, but he goes out of his way. He gives us a call. He participates, and his questions were about the permits. Yep. You know, can you give them the process of, you know, what you have to go through to get a permit? I know it's provincial, and how does that go? Thank you, Laird. Yeah, so so let's say I'm I'm, let's say it was 2019, and I wanted to work in the Samuel Ball site. Okay. So I specify uh, the area I want to do, the geographic area, and, mm-hmm. and what we want to do, and why we want to do it. So I put in a, a, a permit, a heritage research permit application to the uh, Department of Community, Culture, and Heritage for Nova Scotia. Uh, they look it over, and it, it's passed on to the, the uh, curator of archaeology for Nova Scotia. Um, and if they deem it, if there's no problem, um, mm-hmm. issue a permit. Um, so that's basically how it works. It's just put in a proposal. Uh, if they approve it, then you can off you go, and you can do your work. What um, is the... T- Sorry, it, it takes about two weeks. Pre-COVID, it takes about two weeks. Okay. Probably. How long does a permit have to go before you can ask for the extension? Well, you can, you can, you can, what I do is just have it from the, the earliest date. So two weeks after you apply for it is mm-hmm. the earliest start. And I just have it run. It's a calendar year thing. So I have it run to December 31st, just to cover any contingencies. Okay. Uh, also, these questions are coming to my head, Jeff. Watch out. Yep, go ahead. Yeah. 
what determines what is found on Oak Island that goes into the Oak Island Museum and goes into the Nova Scotia Museum? Where's the separation, like the cross? Why isn't that not in the Nova Scotia Museum? Why is it in the Oak Island Museum? Help me out, Laird. So if you look at Oak Island and you have the swamp, so that's north. And so Smith's Cove is over here. Everything, yeah. everything east of the swamp is what we call the non-permitted area. So it, you don't need an archaeologist in there. Oh, wow. Huh? Right. Did not know that. Yeah. So I did work in Smith's Cove under permit, but that's just because Oak Island Tours, you know, it's just due diligence. Mm-hmm. So Gary was allowed to go in and ex- and metal detect wherever, right? Mm-hmm. And that's when he found the the the, uh, the cross. Mm-hmm. Right? So the cross, even though it's, they don't have a permit, they still record it and send all that information into the Nova Scotia Museum. On the west side, so that's the Samuel Ball property. We need a we need a heritage research permit. So everything I find on the Samuel Ball property is the is belongs to the province of Nova Scotia. So it's all submitted to the province of Nova Scotia. But it's allowed to come back on loan to the interpretive center if they'd like. Oh, okay. You're saying half the island doesn't have a permit. Is that going to be permittable in the future, or how does that work? I have no idea what I'm talking about. Well, so half of the island, based on Dunfield and right. everything else, it's they they just said the archaeological context is 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 so screwed up that mm-hmm. archaeology. Right. Yeah. Um, if you if the if in the future we find something that is archaeological, that might change. But but right now the money pit area, that's why I'm not there. Right. They don't need an archaeologist because it's just so damaged that yeah. there's no archaeological context left. What my favorite lot is, Laird, is lot 16. Mm-hmm. Why I like my favorite lot of lot 16 is, you know, through the show, right. they were told that all the spoils from the money pit was put on lot 16. Right. And I've heard nothing of that lot except for that one time Gary went there and he found a couple of coins and everything. But if I have a lot 16, it's five acres and filled of spoils from all previous digs, I would be in there with the broom and the brush handle and the dustpan (laughs) for about 50 years going layer to layer in that lot 16. That's another quirk I got of myself. What do you think, Ler? Well, I'm. I think we call that place Money Pit Mountain. Yeah, I heard something about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I believe I'm. I'm trying to think back of what happened when. I'm not sure what happened at the end of the last season. Um, I don't really think I can actually speak about Money Pit Mountain right now. Oh, so it's called Money Pit Mountain. I believe so. That's new to me, Jeff. Did you know that? No, I didn't. I didn't know that. I mean, you, yeah, my lot sixteen. Sense. 
My lot 16 is money pit. Yeah, oh. money pit. It contains. Yeah. If I'm right, it contains money pit mountain. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah, that's definitely a place. You know, like I said, you got about 65,000 people that would get their little brush and their little shovel and they go over yeah. there and sift through that by bit by bit by bit until everything was found. Every little piece of dirt was dug up there. Oh, yeah. we'd have no lack of volunteers for the army. <laughs> oh, I'll bet. Yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> right. That's absolutely right. Was the uh, COVID delay really exponential to the fines? This Not the fines. How do I say that? Did it really hold back everybody or you have to work more hours? I mean, how does that work? I think we'll find that out in the next month. Um, I actually enjoyed the break. Right. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people enjoyed the break. Um, I think there's going to be a, 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 a real crunch at the end of everything, particularly in the money pit. Right. I think things are, things have, I think for the last two months, things have been back to normal in terms of operations. Mm -hmm. Right. We were so scared about that storm, but it wasn't, you didn't get hit that hard. Yeah. So that helped more, out also. We had more wind this morning than during the hurricane. So. Oh, wow. Unbelievable. Well, like I said, uh, we'll button it up. Uh, Laird, I thank you so, so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. No problem. Jeff and Linda. Yep. We'd love to have you come back sometime, maybe uh, after the season gets rolling and the show is on. Um, you know, after something's been shown on the show, if you'd like to come back and talk about it once it's on the show, I don't know how that works with, you know, your NDA and all that, but um, we'd well, love to have you back sometime. The NDA, I believe, is quite simple. It's that once something is aired, you can mm -hmm. talk. Right. And that's what I was kind of assuming. Yeah. So that would be great if you could come back at some at some point during the season. Everybody is chomping at the bit for the show to get started so we can all start watching what's happening out there on Oak Island. And, uh, um, you know, hopefully there's going to get some fines or answer. More answers is what mo a lot of us are looking for is more answers. So we'd love to yeah. have you come back at some time. And, and maybe you could even mention to some of the other guys like Steven. I know Steven's been you know, I, I've talked to him a couple of times and he's 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 holding back. And I understand I'm not pressuring him, but we'd love okay. to have the guys on the show. Anybody that's that's on there that would like to come on. Uh, we'd love to have you. Our fans would love to, you know, not our fans, but the show's fans, uh, yep. the members of our group would love to uh, love to um, hear from you all that are on the island. And that's fantastic. We just so honored to have you here. We really do appreciate it so much. Yeah, it, it, it would be great to, to, to show people what happens after hours. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, it's a TV show. Yes, but right. you get the Scott Barlow's who are there until nine and 10 o'clock at night, you know, wow. just or coming on a Saturday to look at things. And mm. yep, I always used, I used to tell Scott, get off that boat and get back into that excavator. <laughs> yeah. So many, so many interesting people that are on the Island, even Billy, you know, running the, running things out there. Yeah. We used to love to have you guys on and talk about just little tidbits. It's just so much, you know, a fun night. They're like, somebody just had a fun night. Dave's had a fun night. Yeah. Uh, and it is, it's great to hear that kind of stuff. We love having you. No, it's been great to do this. Thank you so much, Laird. We're going to get Mike Francis on. If you want to hang with us or not, it's up to you. Okay, I will. Okay. And uh, that was fantastic. We're still live. 
Yep. Judy says mud, the mug and anchor happens after hours. All right. Yeah. Go and get, <laughs> go meet Dave over there for a, uh, have I you met uh, for a crown? Laird, have you met Mike Francis? I don't believe so. Okay. But I can hit the mug and anchor with a rock. Yeah. I'm about three doors down from it. Oh, really? Wow. Very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, we got to fill in a little bit. Okay, Mike Francis is ready to join. Okay, here we All go, right. guys. Good deal. This will be our four first, first four member live show, Laird. Mm -hmm. Oh, excellent. And I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> Mr. Mr. He's got his all, all of his technology there in his fantastic studio. EOS webcam utility. Mm -mm. Better. Well, this is liver than life can get, Laird and Jeff. This is as live as I can get. <laughs> Hello, Mike. Hey, there's Mike. How you doing, Mike? Hey, everyone. Uh oh, somebody you might have to Mike, if you got your um uh volume on, you might have if you got Facebook on there, you might have to uh, mute Facebook. Because we're hearing an echo come back, a delayed echo come back. Right. Mute your Facebook, Mike. Yeah. If you got the Facebook feed, just mute that. I'm still hearing, a, you're still hearing an echo there. Get some delay, yeah. Yeah. Okay. There we go. All right. That's better. Welcome, Mike. How you doing? Doing great. I've been enjoying your show for the last hour and uh, learning lots of things from Laird that I haven't been able to hear from Terry yet. Right. Mike, okay. this is Laird. Laird, this is Mike. That's Jeff, my co-host. I'm John Stummer, and Linda Simpson is our backbone. Yep. She takes care of everything. She really does. She's out there somewhere in chat. Hi, Linda. Hi, Linda. <laughs> oh, my God. All righty. Well, Mike, tell us what's going on there with this auction coming up. Yeah, so we're getting really excited. The auction went live this morning at 8 o'clock. And just before I came on, I checked. Uh, we're just over about $10,000 worth of bids so far uh, already. So the money going to charities starting to roll in. We're really excited. Um, I brought with me tonight uh, just some examples of what you can get. So we've got some... Uh, Rick and Marty signatures. We've got some uh, Dan and Craig signatures as well. So, you know, those are some of the things you're going to be able to take home. There's lots of pictures of Laird that you're going to be able to see in the, uh, the set photos. Any uh, poster size I can get of Laird? Any like, oh, yeah. poster size I can get of Laird? Once you buy go the big. book, if, if you buy the whole set, I think you can blow it up and put it on your wall. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it, there, there's some pretty cool stuff. Rick really went out of his way to make sure that uh, if there was anything that he made, that he was going to make sure that we got a chance to put it in the auction. Mm -hmm. So the necklaces, first off, Terry asked him for 20 like we got last year. Um, then he said, oh, no, you need more. So here's 10 more. And then he said, no, you need some for the guys. So here's some male necklaces too. So, you know, he really is throwing things out there uh, to make sure that we have 
the most support that we can get. Uh, he knows how bad the two charities uh, need the money. So, you know, we're, we're blessed to have Rick be contributing. And everybody on the show that we've been able to meet through all of this has been fantastic to meet as well. So uh, really supportive, eager to, you know, get this done and get us help. So. Yep. Like I said, I support you and my 65,000 members will support you as much as they can. That would be great. Because when the uh, necklaces first came out in January of 2020, I think I told you, I'm not sure. Yep. Scott, Scott Barlow said to me, John, yes, you can buy these necklaces online, you know, for a charity, you know, IWK Charity Foundation. I said, Scott, I have no idea. I thought you had to go on tour, go to Oak Island. And the only way you would get these necklaces is on the tour. I said, well, there's a lot of people don't travel. People got health problems. She says, no, John, no, you can buy them online. I says, oh, my God, Scott, give me the link. And boom, the members went, went bananas. This was in January before the COVID uh, hit. Yeah. So, and we did get recognized by Oak Island Tours, our Facebook group, because at least they gave them some money until it covered not covered, but you know, it's something that they had to work with before the COVID shut everything down, Mike. Yeah. No, it, it was. It was. Uh, those are very interesting. Uh, the day that we started to uh, put the samples into the jars, Rick came and he actually brought some for some of the ladies that were part of the group. Mm -hmm. uh, so that they could have a, something to remember that day by, and uh, you know, to really, to really get involved. So. Um, yeah, at the end of the day, the stuff that we're stuff that we're putting out there, we find it's all stuff that he's had some kind of say in, which is mm -hmm. mm -hmm. and then also when we were donating the money for the necklaces, all my lady members, obviously, I would call them, you know, the rocks, uh, the the necklaces. They said, "No, John, these are called Rick's rocks." What do you mean, Rick's Rick's rocks? Well, Rick touched them. Well, Rick touched them. Okay, Rick touched them, and boom. So, sold, 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 sold. That for a charity, for him to do that, that's the attraction for you guys to get the charitable money for that to do. And I'm pretty sure Rick feels that way because I know I like Rick. I mean, I never met him, but I can tell his character. When he puts his heart on his sleeve, and that's like me also. It can be a tough guy when, he, you, when you have to. But when I see his heart on the sleeve and then see the other side, I respect him 100%. Yeah. Yeah, he, he, yeah. he makes an effort. He doesn't necessarily like to meet fans because he's relatively shy, but he always thanks them sincerely and, and says that, he wouldn't be there without them. So he believes yeah, that's that. That's something that John, yeah, John and I have talked about that before a few times. The fact that it that it just seems, uh, you know, from what we've seen on the show of Rick and Marty and Craig and and all the members, quite honestly, but that that Rick and Marty really are stand up people. They are they have good integrity, um, and that they mean well. And that's just something that you know. Uh, goes a, a long way in making the show popular as it is, but also knowing that they are doing this, 
they're not going to go into this just half-heartedly. You know, they no. really are men of integrity, and that's something that is very evident watching the show. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, Mike, do you have, now that you've met Laird now, you met the whole team, I guess. Yep. You got any questions for Laird? I mean, how did you get involved with Oak Island, Mike? I mean, we're, we're crazies. <laughs> but how did you get involved? Not involved, but what drew you in to the Oak Island show? Drew me in. Oh, the first time I watched the show, I believe I was at my in-laws, and it was on one of those marathons over Christmas break. Okay. And the story, for me, really just drove me. And I'd heard of Oak Island, but never really got into the story before being so close. Oftentimes, I think people around here, they don't dive into it nearly as much because they think, oh, well, it's, it's only two hours down the road. You can just jump down there and, and see it anytime you want. So uh, when you start to see the show and you hear all the stories and you see the stuff that Laird comes out with, you know, dating everything and trying to figure out where it came from and, and the history, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I was hooked right from that, that first watching. It was absolutely wonderful. And now that you're actually on the island, I would be in heaven. I would be floating. I'd be walking on the clouds for about two years straight. Yeah, it, pretty much ever since I got the phone call from Terry the first time. He called me, what uh, would have been July of 2019. He said, how mm -hmm. would Colchester East Dance Hospice Society like to be part of a, uh, a charity auction where we sell some of the soil samples and some other things from around the island? And What do you think of that? And after being a fan of the show for several years before he called, I thought he was joking. <laughs> I, thought, I was new here, and I thought, well, maybe somebody's trying to prank the new guy. <laughs> so, yeah, they know my job is to fundraise, and then somebody calls and tell, throws out this kind of, you know, amazing, uh, almost unicorn fundraiser for us. It was tough. Now, how is Terry connected to your hospice? What's that, John? Now, how is Terry connected with your organization? Yeah, so Terry explained to me, and he he came out with it live on on the new, on our feed last year, that uh, he had two family members who were went through the palliative care unit at our local hospital, and that unit has uh, ten people that go that can be in there at a time. Our volunteers visit people while they're in hospital. Uh, mm -hmm. and they're going through the dying process, and they are able to have, give them camaraderie, hang out with them, uh, maybe track some of their history, help them with some uh, personal stuff. And then we also have some bakers in the special kitchen that we have in the palliative care unit. So when Terry called, he was specifically talking about how much they appreciated that when the family had to go away any, at any point during the day for his family members, they knew that our volunteers would be there and that there was home cooked uh, cookies and, and cakes and muffins and things like that in the kitchen available to keep them going, even when the cafeteria wasn't open downstairs. So, um, you know, it really became something that everybody appreciates when they go through. They don't know they're going to until they get there. But Terry genuinely wanted to be able to give back to us and and knowing he wanted to run this charity. Uh, he wanted to be or wanted to run this charity auction. He wanted to give back to a charity intro. Very good. Very good. Jeff, can you think of anything else? Uh, 
Well, I know that's fantastic. And I know that you, uh, you yourself, John, are very big on the charities and that's fantastic also. Well, um, when you go through that, even myself mm-hmm. with that animal, I call cancer. I mean, I don't want to get off topic a little bit, but this animal I call cancer and somebody dies young, old, it don't matter. Even if you're older, that little boy and that little girl is inside you. You know, it's not really how your body looks, but inside you're still young at heart. I don't care how old you are. And as you go through that, it's just a tough situation. Everybody goes through it, it seems. But I think it's not fair that everybody's got to go through it. But so there are some lucky families that it doesn't affect. But, you know, you got to move forward. You got to believe in your dream. But when you go through it yourself and actually do that stuff on a 24 to 7 basis, you really appreciate, you know, hospice trying to help you out. Uh, things that are available in there when, when you know my parents they're still alive and they're 91 each i take care of them and uh, they're still living home you know they got their their faculties and everything but a lot of people don't make it and you as a fundraiser the people appreciate what you do i mean they get i don't know if you get letters you get charitable contributions from the family i mean I don't know how the hospice works up there in uh, Nova Scotia, but around here, they go out of the way. You help me, I help you. I mean, if financially you can do it, fine. Some people that don't have the money, they'll still donate $10, $20. So um, I really appreciate what you're doing up there, Mike. Yeah, I, I hear that, John, for sure, that our, we have a lot of people that – we know that they can't give us the money that they're trying to give us. And uh, uh, they do appreciate the work and our volunteers right now with COVID aren't able to go to the hospital and do their volunteering, which is, it, it really is uh, something that drives them to get up in the morning and and helps them connect with their community. Uh, So for them not to be able to go out and do that volunteering right now, it, it hurts them a lot. You can see it in their eyes whenever I talk to them or, you know, hearing right. the voice when they're talking about how much they want to be there. But you're right. Everybody's going to go through this. Uh, our job at hospice here in Truro is to educate people on what that process might be like, give them resources when they finally do come to face that situation for themselves or a loved one, and uh, to help the family after the fact to work through the grief and to get, you know, to get going on that grief journey and understand what's normal. Right, right. And they want you to stay home more and more. So, you know, they get a lot of home visits, a lot of home um, cooperation from everybody. And here in the United States, like myself, um, we passed away at home. And the hospice was terrific. Right from when we left the hospital to the home, they followed us every inch of the way. Whatever you needed, whatever you had to do. And I'm basically saying that's probably the, the common goal of all hospice is to make it as easier and more comfortable than you can do. I would rather be at home than in room 202 on the sixth floor, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, exactly. But I appreciate everything you're doing, Mike. If you want to uh, again announce uh, like what your title is, uh, where the auctions are going to be, and if you don't have any questions for Laird on Oak Island, then we can button it up if you want. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, the 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 website is thirty two auctions.com. 
slash Oak Island 2, uh, because this is our second kick at this can. And so we're going to be doing our live feed on the Oak Island Scrapbook Facebook page. Paul has opened up the page to us. He is going to actually be doing our audio and video for us. Uh, he did it last year, did a tremendous job, uh, especially trying to corral Terry. I'm sure, Laird, you know what that's all about. <laughs> Uh, and, you know, he just has so much energy uh, to be able to track him. Paul did a, did a great job. So he's back this year with even more uh, video equipment. He's got new audio to make sure everybody can hear us. So if you have time, you're definitely welcome to check us out on the live feed. We will be taking questions to Terry and Charles again, like last year. Uh, obviously, same as you guys. Nobody gets a chance to ask about this year and what's coming up. Uh, right. Anything that's been on the air, they'll they'll gladly talk about. Charles gets into some great stories. Uh, Terry will make you laugh. <laughs> you know that's you know it really is something to uh, to be there for. Yep, I linked all the things that Mike Francis is saying. Members, it's all linked in my group. If you can scroll down, everything's linked there. And if Mike, if you got anything else to update, just let me know. Yeah, and I'll post it right to the group. Laird, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you, guys, both. No problem at all. Jeff, my co-host, fantastic questions. I think you did fantastic. Oh, thank you. Even. I'm such a rookie. <laughs> and uh, Linda Simpson, hold us together. We're still in, in the boat, and but it's rocking, but we're still sailing. <laughs> Remember, everybody, follow your dreams. Go forward. Good night, everybody. All right. Good night, everybody. Have a good evening. <laughs>